Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're going to be in 1 John today. The whole premise of this series that we've been in this summer, the summer of love, is really centered around one simple concept. And it's hard for me to to explain this, but I've watched it for years and years and years. It was something I actually studied back in college. With, with I, I was a double minor in psychology, sociology, and I was really intrigued with, with just people and trends and, and different concepts that have become habitual in people's life. And here's what I've realized. One of the things that trumps most people in their lives that determines the way they think, the way they live, what they believe, is their life experiences. Some people use the word environment. Some people use the word experience. Some people use the word, you know, a lot of different things, conditioning and different things like that. But the bottom line is, is most people determine certain things in their life based on what they have observed and what they've seen. I'll give you an example. And, and I wrote some of these things down. And you don't have to write all this down, but just to kind of an introduction. Like, like most people will model the way they've been treated as the way they treat others. Like, like, it's not really their fault. That's just all they've ever known. Like, most people will speak by how they've been spoken to. Like, like I, I watch different videos on TikTok or, or Reels and different stuff like that. And, you know, and there's always the, the funny toddler, right, that, that, that's went fishing or is washing a car or doing the laundry. And, and it, the, the toddler, like, two or three years old can hardly speak. But the words they're using, you're like, goodness, like, they dropping some bombs out there. And, and the parents are like, isn't that cute? I'm like, it's cute when they're two. But just know it ain't real cute when they go to first grade and they say the same words to their teacher. And all they're doing is they don't know the difference in a, in a bad word or a good word or profanity and non-profanity. All they know is mom and daddy say it, so therefore it must be okay for me to say it. Like they're just modeling the behavior of what they've seen. Other areas that I thought about is, is the way people get talked to will determine the way they talk to others. The way people are taught will determine how they teach others. The way people have been disciplined will determine the way they discipline each other. You know, all these different things, we just, we just mimic what we've already seen. And the whole premise of the Summer of Love was this. Most people's reality and the way they love people is all based on the way they've been loved. Like, they think that love is blank. You say, what's the blank? You can fill it in with 50 million adjectives. Some people think love is, is selfish. Some people think love is self-consuming. Some people think love is meeting my needs. Some people think love is giving me gifts. Some people think love is, like there's all kinds of things that people think love is because that's the way they have been loved. And I believe as we are slowly got about two or three weeks left in this series, really two main weeks, but the way I want to really start making it, like the whole premise is the fact that here's what's cool is despite what people's reality may be in the way they are loved, we have the ability to be game changers or be culture shifters. Like we can love people in a way that lets them know that there's something more to love. There's something more for them to observe in themselves and to be able to, to love themselves. There's something more for them to observe in different people and to be gracious and to love people. There's something that they can see in Christ and in God and to understand how to be loved. Like, I grew up in a traditional, very conservative, nothing wrong with that, church, but my concept of, of, of like God was, this is all the stuff you couldn't do, and if you love Jesus, be careful because he sends you to Africa. 
Like, that's what I thought. Okay, that, that's, that. and so because of that, I didn't accept Christ till late in my teenage years. Why? Because there were things that I was doing, and I didn't want to go to Africa. You say, well, that's the most ignorant thing in the world. Well, I didn't say it was smart. I'm just, that was my experience. That was my environment. That's what the church that I was attending would promote on a regular basis with different people constantly coming in from Africa telling me that if I really loved Jesus, I would go to Africa. And so that was just, that's what I thought was the truth. But then there, there came a guy, he's actually one of our overseers, his name's Nicky McCrary, and he was my youth pastor, and, and all of a sudden, like, he just wanted to go fishing. He's like, hey, you want to go fishing? I'm like, hey, I like fishing. And all of a sudden, he started opening up these doors and these parameters and these relationships, and all of a sudden, I started realizing, like, people love Jesus are normal. Like, that was a big thing for me. I was like, wow, you... You can be normal and love Jesus. You can have hurts and love Jesus. You can have pain and love Jesus. You can love Jesus and live in Tennessee and not go to Africa. Which is funny to hear it come out of my mouth, but the reality is it makes me think this. I wonder what people are thinking by the way we live and the way we love. Like that is literally the premise of this whole summer. The summer of love was about us Showing people that this is what love can be like. A non-conditional, we don't want anything out of you. We're not wanting you to make a decision. We're not doing this because we want you to come to church. We actually do this because we love you and you're worth loving. In fact, I'll show you how powerful this is by a slide. I'm going to show you in just a minute some things that you cannot control. But talking about your environment talking about the way it influences you, talking about your experience. When I read these things, I want you to simply think how much they've impacted your life and what you think as far as what love is, what relationships are, and what life's like. Are you ready? Look at this slide with me. Here's the things that you cannot control. We'll start with the, with the, the pandemic. Like, you can't control that, but, man, it's amazing how much it's influenced you, isn't it? You can't control what others, other people think. Like, you, you, you can't control it, but my goodness, we revolve our life around what? What other people think. You can't control people's actions. Parents in the room, let me give you some freedom today. Great parents have amazing kids that make stupid decisions. You want me to prove it to you? You did. I did. Like, I don't know of anybody in the room that said, boy, I'll tell you what, man, I, I mean, like, I, I made some great decisions as a kid. You can't control people's actions. Parents, you can't control your kids' actions. Now, I know there's somebody in the room that's like, oh, by golly, you can't. Let me tell you something. You take that belt off. You, no, no. You can intimidate them, but there comes a time when they leave your house and guess what? They are going to be in charge of their own actions. You can't control them. You can't control the way they treat you. You can't do anything about the past. But yet we let it influence our todays, don't we? You know what else you can't control? People's feelings. You cannot control people's feelings, but yet we allow it to influence so much how other people behave or the mistakes other people make. None of these things 
can you control? But if we were to be real honest, is there anything that controls us more than these things? Why is it the things we can't control control us the most? That's the question that I want to answer today with what I would say is probably the most applicable, practical message I've ever preached that's going to be straight out of God's Word where we're just going to talk about, like, what's the starting point? Like, I'm just proving to you that, that there's this thing called environment, there's this thing called influence, there's this thing that you have experienced, and it can control you if you're not careful. And the funny thing is it controls you based on all the things that you can't control. And it makes you think certain things. It determines the way you love and the way you've been loved. It determines the way you perceive things. I've shared this before from the stage. It's not a knock. It's not a belittling. It's not that I need you to feel sorry. It's not any of those things. But one of the craziest things in growing up in an abusive home when I was smaller, my dad was abusive to me and my brother and my mom, is the crazy part is, like, I thought what happened to me at my house was normal, and that's what happened to everybody's house. Like when somebody said, oh, man, I'm in trouble. I'm going to get a spank. And I was like, oh, man, I know what that's like. Like, you know, and I realized later on that, that the discipline that we had at my house wasn't the reality of everybody else's house. But my environment has a way of trumping everything. So let me pray, and we're going to dive into God's word. Lord, I thank you so much for today. And as we look into your word and what your word says, and get on the right starting point. Will you help us to understand the way you've intended things to be? And to not let the things that we can't control have such an influence in our life. To not let the wrong things that we've experienced continue to push us backwards rather than moving us forward. Help us to see the things the way you see them so that we can love the way that you love. In your name we pray, amen. Well, Scripture is very simple and very clear. If we want to talk about a starting point when it comes to the summer of love and going into love, God's Word, He has very, very, very easily given us the concept of where love started, what love is, and how we can do it. You will find it in 1 John, and you'll see it on the Scripture as well. Chapter 4, starting in verse 7. May I please take time and read this? Turn with me in your Bible or on your phone or on your iPad or whatever you may have, and it says this. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, we didn't even get very hard. I mean, like, like, whoop, okay, pause button. Just know, one of the first things that God's going to call you to do, he goes, hey, you know what, I'm going to give you the opportunity that if you want to, I'll let you love one another. You don't have to. I'm not going to make you, but I'll let you. So in order to let somebody do something, then you've got to be the author of what they're doing, Right? If somebody's going to let me help them work on a car, then they've got to have the ability and all the things we need to work on that car. You can't let me do something that you're not in charge of. That's key. Here, let's keep going. Beloved, let us love one another. And then he gives you the why. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God has made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, 
Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Then listen to verse 12. If you have a paper Bible, underline these. This is a huge scripture in God's word. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and in his love is perfected in us. See, here's the concept. The starting point of love, and I want to be real careful here, but the starting point of love, it starts and ends with God. Like, have you, have you ever met somebody that thinks they understand love, but they don't have a relationship with God, and they always just end up a little bit short? Like, that's one of the issues in a lot of relationships. I believe you can experience love. I believe you can be shown love. But until you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not know love. So based on that definition, what that means is, is that what you think of love is all based on the things you can't control because you don't really know it. See, you, you can only be given love. You can't really show something you don't know. And it says that God is love. And he even says that if you know God, then you're going to love people. And if you don't love people, then you don't know God. Which brings up a question. Pastor Mickey, does God call me to love people? I think that's the wrong question. I think the right question is, do people that love God love people? Because if the answer to that's yes, then the question is not, do I love people? The question is, do I love God? Because Scripture tells me that if I love God, I will love people. What about some people, though? Like, like Pastor Mick, you don't understand. Like, have you ever met my ex? Well, I've got a Scripture for you. It's in First Hesitation, chapter 3, verse 44. And it says... You can love everybody and have a relationship with God, but your ex, you can tell him whatever you want. You say, I don't have that in my Bible. Well, I'm going to be selling those Bibles. Those are $3,000 a piece, and they're out there, but that way, no, there's no such thing, right? Scripture says that Jesus said, you know, you've heard to, to love your friends and, and take, not take care of your enemies, but I tell you to, to love your enemies and to pray for them, pray for those who persecute you. Like, I want to let you know that, that love is not something that is a light switch that you can determine when it's off and on. And I will tell you the reason why. It's because of, of verse 12. It says, no one has ever seen God. Literally, God gives you the attribute to show his greatest quality in that even though people have never seen God, they can experience God based on the way you love them. See, every time you love somebody the right way, then they may not ever see God. Like, you can go through all scriptures. There are different people that have seen different parts of God. You know, Moses saw the backside of God. He hit him in the cliff, and then he saw his bosom as he walked by. Like but nobody's ever actually seen the whole attribute, everything about God. But every day, people get a glimpse of him. And they get a glimpse on him based on the way people who know God treat him. It determines what they think. In fact, I'll keep reading. Are you ready? 
Rather than me talking about it, let's just read right out God's word. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love of God that has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, all, as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. See, what it's basically saying is that the world has this one struggle. It's the struggle that started in the very beginning of time, and it's the number one thing that causes you struggle, anxiety, fear, frustrations. It, 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 it's, it's the curse of the garden. And it's not the curse of the garden as far as sin. It's the result of that sin, which is this word. Are you ready? Separation. Most people, biggest struggle in life is they don't know if they can trust it. They are worried. If I really give it everything I got and I love somebody, are they going to leave me? Like when, when sin entered the world and God had to give a punishment for that and he kicked them out of the garden, ever since that moment, humankind has struggled with this word, separation. We were not meant to be alone. We were not meant to do life by ourselves. And whenever people get involved in our life because of our previous experience, the first thing we start questioning is, ooh, this is really good, and I really like to love them, but you know, everybody I've ever loved either leave or die, and I end up being by myself. Now, I'm not saying that's the truth, I'm saying that's what sometimes the environment and what everything is teaching us. And what God is saying is that love casts out all fear. And it's not fear like struggles. It's the fear of where you're going to spend eternity. That through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you never have to worry about being separated from God ever again. And then he goes into this scripture that I think is so good. It's the very next one. It's the next verse, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Now, this is where I want to camp on for literally like two minutes. Like so many people use this, and they, they start talking about the power of God and the sovereignty of God and almost act like this whole thing's rigged. And that is not whatsoever what God's talking about. What God is talking about can be explained through your children. Do you know there's never a moment that my kids come up to me and they say, hey, Daddy, I love you because I chose to love you first. See, all of my kids love me because growing up, all they knew was that I loved them first. Like I fell in love with them when I came home and saw a pregnancy test. I fell in love with them when I went to a doctor and heard a heartbeat. I fell in love with them as I watched their mama change 
and carry and lead up to this moment. Like, there was nine months, like, like yes, I was that guy who would be, like, you know, talking to the baby, like, hey, like, like, like they can hear me on the other side. But I didn't know if they could or not, but I was like, I just want to know, I love you. And because all they've ever known is that I love them, do you know what's the most natural thing for them? To love me back. Because they know I've always had their best interest in mind. I've always loved them correctly. I've always pushed them forward. I've always tried to have them go do the things that they're called to do. If that's true on an earthly relationship, how much bigger is that on a heavenly relationship? Like that's what that scripture's meaning. Like, despite how distorted your concept of love may get because of your experiences, you need to go back to the root of it all and realize that you can understand love basically based on how God loved you first. That's the reason why the most natural thing that people find is when the Spirit convicts them and they realize they need a relationship with Jesus and they turn from their sins and they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and they confess with their mouth and they believe in their heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and Scripture says, and they shall be saved. And when it happens, it's like this weight comes off. It's like this forgiveness just, just takes over and we're like, it's the most natural thing in the world. Why? Because we've known from the very beginning that God is love. Let me keep going and then I'm gonna get to the, the, the whole point of this. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You say, Mickey, what's the point of today? Today is about the starting point. Like for you to understand the summer of love and what it means to love and to understand serve day and understand church and understand family and understand marriage and understand dating and like all of these things, you can't understand any of it if you don't start with the right starting point. And the bottom line is this, you will never know love if you don't know God. Now I didn't say accept Jesus. I didn't say turn from your sins and have a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about knowing God. I'm talking about getting in his word. I'm talking about getting to understand who he is. I'm talking about learning more about him, praying to him on a regular basis, letting it be a priority. Like me and my wife, we're, we're getting ready to celebrate 25 years. And, and in those 25 years, I can only imagine what this would have been like if the climax of our marriage would have been our wedding day. If I'd have been like, hey, we've made a commitment to each other now. Now I'm going to go do my life and do what I want to do. You go do your life, do what you want to do. But we'll show back up out here, and we'll sleep over here, and this will be our little bedroom. But we're going to have two different lives. But I just want you to know I love you, and I'm committed to you. Number one, I don't imagine we'd be getting ready to celebrate 25 years. But number two, how distorted would that relationship be if I didn't make it a priority then in 25 years to get to know her and her to get to know me. See, life has a way in the environments and the things that we're in to change us. At age 47, fixing to be 48, or am I 48, fixing to be 48? I don't know how old I am. I'm at that age where I'm in my 40s, all right? But in that concept in trying to figure out how old and where everything's going on, here's the crazy part. 
I know this. I'm not the same person I was at 23 when I first started dating my wife. And I'm so thankful she doesn't love me like I'm 23. Like all the experiences, all the environment, all the things that have come in, the past, all these things we can't control, we've learned to let those things go and love the things that we can't control. Can I make it simpler for you? Here's another way to put this. There are a lot of things that you can't control, but do you know there's some things you can control? Look at this slide. Here's where I want you to dwell today. Here's the things you can control. You know, you can control your behaviors. You can control your choices. Notice the pronoun there, my choices, not others' choices. You can control my reactions, my boundaries. I can't control what everybody else's boundaries are, but I can control my boundaries. I can control where the obedience is in my life. Well, you know, they say it's okay, and I'm just going to do this, this, and this. You better be careful because it's going to distort the way you think about stuff. But with the right boundaries out of God's word, all of a sudden called obedience, you can control that. You can control my actions. We can control my thoughts. And then this last one I put up here because it's the biggest. And you can control asking for help. You know, it's amazing to me how often people struggle because they don't want to ask for help. In fact, I'll put both of those up together. I know some of you guys, I see you snapping a picture. We'll put this up on social media as well. But most of us struggle when it comes to love, to the summer of love, because we get distorted on the things that we think we can control that we really can't, based on the things that we can control, and we don't do that. But the bigger thing that takes place is that we let this environment, we let these different things influence us, and then we fall into this trap. We think the way life is has to be the way it's always going to be. We think the way that we were loved has to be the way we're always going to love. I I read a quote. (laughs) I almost posted it, but I didn't. And it was just a simple little funny saying. And it said, the people that look at the glass half empty or half full all fall short of the same concept. Because the reality is, is the glass is refillable. See, it's not a matter if if you look at it like, oh, the the glass is half full. Oh, the glass is half empty. Hey, guess what? The glass is refillable. Life, God says, hey, free refills. At any point that you feel like, oh, I don't like where I'm at right now. Well, hang on, I got some more for you. You say, Mickey, why don't people do this? because they didn't know it was an option. See, here's what I'd like for us to think about. If people love based on the way they're loved through us, how do they define love? And that's the premise of what we've been doing this whole summer. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.